Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, good to see you this morning. Um, I, uh, I thought I would start, you know, sometimes when I, I'm sitting in the congregation and we have a guest speaker uh, come up to the platform, um, I'm curious to know a little bit more about them personally, you know, who they are, where they're from, that kind of thing. So just a, a, cu- a few quick words about um, me and my background. Uh, I'm from New York originally, and um, any, I know we have a New York Jets fan here. Uh, I'm a Giants fan, um, so not a good year for us, I, I, I get that. So I think I saw one hand, a Giants fan. Um, so I'm from New York. I've been in New Hampshire about 25 years after graduating from college, uh, where I met my beautiful wife, Kelly. Um, there she is. And um, so we moved to New Hampshire. Uh, she's from New Hampshire. Yeah, let's hear it for Kelly. She's a... So I moved uh, to New Hampshire um, and followed Kelly here. Um, we've been um, at Grace for about... Uh, nearly 20 years now. Um, so a long time ago, uh, we started uh, with Sandy um, that was just up here. Uh, and this is our, this is our home. Um, you're our family. Um, I've got three, three kids who I love dearly. I'm proud of them. Uh, Eric is a, is a sophomore at college in New York at Houghton College. Uh, Reed is a freshman in college. So pray for me with college payments. Um, Reed is a freshman at Wheaton College in Chicago. Uh, and then uh, my baby, Annika. She is a junior in high school here at Concord High. So, so that's a little bit about me um, and, uh, and my background. Um, uh, you know, in, in a few weeks ago, uh, I got a text message from Mark saying, um, can I call you? And so I immediately responded back and said, sure. He responds back with a text, I'd like you to preach in a few weeks. Um, and I said, oh. <laughs> so the call comes in, and I, and, and I see that it's Mark calling, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to answer that call. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I was a little, it was kind of nerve-wracking. But uh, anyway, so he said, you don't have to say yes, but just pray about it, think about it, and let me know uh, in a few days if you do that. So I agreed to do that. And I have, um, in preparing for this, I have a, a much deeper um, appreciation for Mark uh, and Audra and their kids. Um, you know, we get to kind of, as, as the congregation, we get to come in on Sunday and enjoy the service and, uh, and all the hard work that the staff, John and Richie and Jorgen and Jesse, the, the staff, that the, they, the work they do for us. But uh, again, in, in preparing for this, I just um, have a, just a deeper appreciation for them, and I just wanted to acknowledge them uh, publicly for that. So thank you, Mark. Uh, pray with me this morning, if you would. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the reality of your dying on the cross for our sins some 2,000 years ago. We're different people because of it. And this morning, as we open your word and study uh, and examine what you have to say uh, to us this morning, I just pray that, that these words will be your words, Lord. This is not about us. This is all about you. Amen. So, have you ever worked hard at something? 
And I want you to think with me. Maybe you have to look back to 2017. Maybe it was earlier in your life. But have you ever worked really, really hard, like blood, sweat, and tears? Maybe it was in the gym, you're working out, trying to make a team, you know, practicing foul shots over and over and over. Maybe it's writing a paper. Maybe you're in school and you're writing a paper, uh, this long-term paper, and, or working on a project, and you're just working really super hard at that. Maybe you've started a business from the ground up. There was nothing there. You started it from scratch, and you put in countless hours. Or maybe for your employer, you're trying to... to um, get a promotion or get a raise and you just put time, you know, countless hours into that effort. Uh, One of my sons, Eric, is a musician uh, and he just spent, you know, I can't count the number of hours he spent up in his bedroom just practicing guitar over and over and over just to to improve and and, um, sometimes maybe make the band. Maybe it's making a team for those athletes that are out there. You just put those, that countless um, effort into that, those countless hours. Well, there are a couple things that are pretty universal. So take, take a minute and try to, uh, I'll give you five seconds. Come up with that one thing that you worked super hard at. Okay, so hopefully you have something in mind in your past. Um, one of the things that's pretty universal, I think, and if we're, if we're honest, uh, is there's something that comes before the hard work, and that's a decision. We need to make a decision to do hard work, right? We don't essentially, you know, we don't accidentally work hard. It's not like we work hard and they're like, oh, how did I get, how did this happen, right? We make a decision first and then we go at it. The second thing that's probably pretty universal with our, these difficult decisions is we have a hope. So if you're writing that paper, you're hoping that you get a good grade, right? If you're practicing that instrument, you're hoping you're going to make the band. You're hoping that the coach says, I you know, recognize the hard work that you did on the court or in the gym, and we're hoping to make the team. You're hoping your business, if you're uh, you know, working and starting a business, you're hoping your business takes off and you're successful. You're hoping you get that promotion. You get the idea, right? There's this hope that, that's, that's there. It's not a guarantee. It's a hope. The third thing that's probably pretty universal is that the reason it's a hope is it because it's not our decision. The outcome is not up to us, is it? Right? There's somebody else involved in that decision. A teacher gives you that grade. It would be great if I wrote the paper and then I could just grade it myself. Right? <laughs> or if, it would be great if I wanted that promotion and I just gave myself the job. I need an increase in salary? I'm going to give it to myself. No, it's up to our boss. Right? It's up to our employer. It's up to somebody else to decide uh, what, our, what that outcome or what that reward will be. And so as we think about these three things hard work and the decision that's required before we start, the hope, not the guarantee, but the hope, and then the fact that there's usually some third party. I think of like American Idol, right? If you've ever watched American Idol or The Voice or Shark Tank or something like that, there's a panel. It's up to either a person or multiple people to decide what that outcome will be. So as we think about these three things in our natural world, tests and athletics and business and, and so on, Let's think about these three things uh, just for a few minutes this morning and how that might apply to our spiritual lives, right? Do we work hard? And this, is, this message is just, for, just as much for me uh, as it is for all of us. How much effort do we put into drawing closer to Jesus? 
How much effort? Like, it, it requires that same decision that it, that it does when I work hard at something else. You know, as a kid, I, I, I uh, played brass instruments. And again, I spent countless hours just practicing and practicing. And uh, I went to, uh, every summer I'd go to camp, a music camp. And uh, about 200 of us, um, uh, uh, we had about 200 campers, and we'd go and we'd audition. And we'd play, and, and then at the, end of, uh, at the beginning of the second day of camp, we would all wake up and we'd all run to the dining hall. Because the dining hall listed the band that we made. There were four bands that you could make. If you, if you were really good and you practiced and practiced and put all that time in, you probably made the A band or the Star Lake band is what, is what, it, what it was called. Um, if you didn't put as much time in, you didn't make the A band, right? And we always wanted that. And it was up to these judges, up to, or, um, up to these uh, music teachers and conductors to, to place us where we belong. So as we think about that, that the effort that we make in our spiritual lives, um, it's probably not a surprise to hear this at church, but the stakes are so much greater, aren't they? Aren't they? Like, we make the, we make the basketball team. We make the band. We grow our business. But in the end, in the context of everything... It just pales in comparison to what's the hope that's in front of us when we meet our maker, we meet our creator. Uh, but yet, I think so few of us, um, I didn't say that properly, so many of us have an opportunity to just draw closer by making a decision, to make an effort uh, in our walk with him. As I was preparing the message, I, I jumped into the Bible um, as you probably hope I did, right? I jumped into the Bible and I, and I started to say, what, God, what do you want me to share? What do you want me to share? And, and I started to read through the New Testament, uh, several of the shorter books of the New Testament. The New Testament, for those that don't know, uh, is, we call them 27 books. There are 27 books. Uh, some of those are letters. Many of those books that we call them are actually letters. And uh, there are eight authors, maybe nine authors in the New Testament. We're probably familiar with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Even if you're not, don't read the Bible regularly. Uh, those are the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The other writers in the New Testament, the most prolific is Paul. So Paul wrote many of the letters uh, and books, as we call them. And he wrote those to the church, uh, to the early church. So this is a few years after, after Christ had ascended into heaven. And he would write these letters to the early church. Let me give you an example of some of the things he would say. In 2 Timothy, this is one of my favorite verses, 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Again, thinking about the hard work. Paul was also, as he was writing these letters, I kind of see him as this coach he would teach them, he would correct them, uh, he would um, encourage them. He says this in, in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Spend your time and energy training yourself for spiritual fitness. Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important. For it promises a reward in both this life and the next. Isn't that great? This... this particular verse resonated with me 
because I, one of the things I didn't tell you uh, about my um, history uh, in my brief introduction was that I was a coach. I used to coach. And, and uh, it's not good to brag, right? We know that, especially in church. But I was kind of a, kind of a big deal. Um, and uh, I love coaching. And, and I've, I coached some teams you've probably heard of before, um, have read about. Um, unfortunately, I, you know, I gave my slides to, to Jorgen, and when I sent them over, I couldn't find any pictures uh, of you know, the level that I had reached. Um, oh. So here's one. I guess Jorgen was able to find one. So um, I, that's me on the top left uh, corner. If you... I told you you'd heard about this team. This is the red team at Concord Park and Rec. Um, and... Uh, we beat the yellow team that year, I think. Um, so anyway, so I guess Jordan was able to, to find one, uh, one picture. Anyway, I love coaching. Oh, this is another team I coached. Um, you've probably heard about these guys too. This is the Concord Christian basketball team. Uh, fourth, fourth and fifth grade, I believe. Um, yeah, we won the trophy that year. Uh, we're happy about that. You know, what's a little, what's a little funny, and I didn't notice this um, until recently, when you win something, typically the athletes put up the number one, like we're number one, right? But if you look at the kid in the left there, he's holding up the number two. <laughs> he's got the peace sign going for some reason. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly why. But um, anyway, so yeah, so this is a, a little bit of, more about me and my coaching career. Um, I enjoyed coaching because I could encourage, you know, similar to the, the thing and the teaching that Paul does. Um, the next slide, I also coached football. And, uh, again, at a very high level, as you can tell. Uh, but this is Concord Capitals football. Uh, I wasn't always the best coach. Um, it, it, uh, despite my best efforts, I wasn't always the best. A couple quick stories to that, to that effect. Um, this first year of coaching, we had lost uh, one, of our, one of our games, and, and I was, uh, like, super upset about that, like, abnormally upset. Like, I shouldn't have been upset at a at a peewee football game, but I was up, really upset. I get in the car, and I'm talking to Eric and Reed, and I'm like, what happened? Like, this isn't, we shouldn't have lost to the team. We were better than them. We practiced harder, on and on. And I said, do you guys have anything to say for yourselves? Like, <laughs> do, you have, do you have any questions? Or, and, and from the back seat, <laughs> and I don't remember if it was Eric or Reed, but this is the question that came from the back seat. They said, Dad, can we get a hot dog? And so I thought, okay, I've got, I'm way out of whack here. Like, I'm thinking we just lost the Super Bowl and they want a hot dog. So um, another one of my not-so-proud moments as a coach is number 31 here. I think he was the, the kid. He's obviously the smallest on the team there. And he just got leveled. Like, he just went out on the field and somebody just ran him over. And so he's laying, kind of like one of these Charlie Brown kind of episodes. He's just out flat on the, on the field. So I pick, go out, pick him up, bring him to the sideline. And I said, uh, I said, Jordan, what's like, I had to go through that concussion. Like, I'm afraid like there, I've got some liability here too. Right. So I started asking questions, Jordan, what, you know, how old are you coach? I'm seven. What, what grade are you in? And he answers that. He's like, I'm in third grade. Um, okay. And so I'm thinking, let's see if his eyes are working properly. So I hand out, I put a, a, my hand in front of him, his face, and I, it's like this, right? Got, and I said, Jordan, how many fingers do I have up? And he goes, four. 
I'm like, no, Jordan, like, take, take a second, count. How many fingers do I have up? And he says, coach, four fingers. And I'm like, oh, we're in trouble. Like, I'm, a, I'm like, one more time, Jordan, how many fingers? He's like, coach, you have four fingers. Your thumb is not considered a finger. So I smack him in the helmet, and I'm like, get on, you know, get on the side, on the, uh, on the bench. Anyway, and he was fine. But, uh, so not always the best coach. But one of the things that I would, uh, and you'll hear coaches that are successful, you'll hear this. Um, you'll hear them say, it's between the ears. You know, the six inches, what dif- what the difference between good to great is not necessarily how much practice they put into it, although that's important, and how hard they work, but it's between the ears, the six inches between the ears. And as we think about that, that's our mind, isn't it, right? It's our mental capacity and our mental aptitude and how much we're really willing to, uh, to commit ourselves to hard work and to the, to the game. The other thing I would ask my coach or ask my, my, te- uh, my players is, you know, as I got older and a little wiser, I wasn't as concerned with the wins and losses. I was more concerned about the effort. I didn't want to put players out on the field um, and have them kind of just sit down or start picking, you know, if it was coaching soccer, they would, sometimes the, the girls would go and look for flowers instead of <laughs> understanding that there's a game being played. Um, but I would always ask effort, and I, and I do this even with my kids today. Did you give, how much, what percentage did you give? Did you give 100, close to 100 as, we, as possible? Did you leave it all on the field? Did we, did we really work hard out there? And hopefully they would come back with some percentage that was close to 100. Um, not always, but, but sometimes. Um, and just as a pe- kind of a side note, a pet peeve, there is no 110%. There is no 125. If you hear an athlete after the game, I gave 125% out there. No, you didn't. You can give 100, but you can't give 125. So kind of put that in parentheses, uh, not to digress, but uh, 100% is what we're after, right? 100% is what we can give. Um, and along the same line, in terms of it's between the ears, this is a, really about the mind. We see the same thing in Scripture. Turn with me if you would. Take your Bibles if you have Bibles or your smart device. Hopefully it's an Apple device. Uh, turn with me to Romans 12, verse 2. Let me just state as you're turning there, what we're really talking, uh, who I'm really kind of talking to this morning are the Christians, those of us that would consider ourselves Jesus followers, just as Paul was. When Paul was writing um, to the church in Rome or uh, Corinth, uh, he was really writing to the, the, uh, the Christians at the time, the Jesus followers. So those of you that, that would not be, you know, profess to be Jesus followers. You guys have kind of a free ride on the bus this morning. So, um, but to those of us that, that are, and you'll have an opportunity uh, to, uh, we'll, we'll touch on that in just a few minutes, for those that have not accepted or not um, asked for forgiveness and repented and asked Jesus to, to come into your life, uh, we will be talking about that. But for just a moment, Romans 12, 2. Just a simple verse, but it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What stands out to me is this, this word pattern. 
Wait, what is a pattern? When we think of a pattern, a pattern is something that makes life a little bit easier for us. Somebody's gone before us or somebody's given us a pattern that we can follow. It's repeatable, right? And we kind of fall into a pattern without necessarily thinking about it too much. And, and what Paul is talking about here, he's telling us there's a danger in that, isn't there? There's a danger in not really understanding or thinking or considering this pattern of this world uh, and tran- being transformed. Um, I love the de- definition of, of transformed. It's a dramatic change in the appearance or character of something. A dramatic change. As you're transformed, there should be a, a noticeable difference. So, what are the patterns of this world? The Bible, you know, these letters uh, to uh, the Colossians in this particular case are pretty, pretty clear. So I'd encourage you, take your Bibles, and if you want to know what this is all about, just pick up the New Testament, pick up these, um, these books that are written to the early church. Colossians uh, chapter 3 Verse 1 and 2 says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. Set your minds on the things above, not on the earthly things. Verse 5 says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So here's the list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in, your, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things uh, as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other, to each other since, you have been taken off your, uh, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed... Back to Romans 12, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. As a football coach, I think of it this way, as a former, you know, when I was a big deal. I think about, about it like this, right? So if those of you that uh, are familiar with football, there's often the chalk talk, which is X's and O's, right? The X's are defense, the O's are offense. On defense, and this is what we'll see uh, when we go to the next slide, These are those words. If you take those words from Colossians that we just read and apply them to this chalk talk, this is what we're up against, right? These are those things in our mind that that try to plant themselves and that that take residence in our minds. On the offense, uh, the, the other side of the ball, so to speak, we have these. Colossians, later in Colossians 3, it it basically shows the, the difference, right? It shows the, the, um, what we're up against, and, uh, and it also shows how we combat those things, the things that we can replace in those ideas and concepts of, of slander and anger and lust and pride. And this is not an exhaustive list, by the way, right? This is just a, sa- a, a small sample. But there are other things that, we can, that can take our, uh, the place of those things um, as we make an effort to do so. What's interesting about this, and, and something that was kind of revealed to me um, just yesterday, I'll get to that in a second. What's interesting about this is the difference between offense and defense is what? Who has the ball, right? Offense has the ball. We, as Christians, have the ball, right? We have God. We have God's word. We have the power of prayer. We have each other. We've got the ball. We dictate what happens on the field. Satan and the enemy, on the other hand, reacts to that. It's not the other way around, right? 
It's not as though that there are these attacks of the enemy. I'm not saying that, 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 that there's, I don't want to negate that, right? But it's up to us. We have the ball. We're on the offense, right? We're not, in other words, we're not sitting there in this kind of defensive posture waiting to see what the enemy is going to do to us. It's just the reverse. We just have to make an effort to do that, right? So uh, in the next, um, and incidentally, love, when we think about the quarterback, the quarterback position here is love. The Bible is very clear um, about love conquers all, right? The quarterback on the field is the, is the one player on the field that touches the ball every time. And so we need to stand in everything we do. When we show mercy and kindness and gentleness, we do that out of love, right? I think uh, maybe that will help. Uh, second scripture verse I want to share with you um, and have you turn to, or at least make a note of, is 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. And it says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power that demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take cap- captive every thought. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Again, this idea that we're not on the defensive here, people. We're not. We just have to make an effort to go after it. We need to take that ball and march it down the field until we meet our, our heavenly creator. Um, as we look at these words a little bit more... Um, the, the, these items, you know, these things, the words that are on defense, they, it's not that they disappear completely. They're still there. The enemy's still at work, right? We don't immediately conquer and then we're done. There's this constant battle. But what happens is we, as we fill ourselves with those things, the thoughts of God, and, and draw closer to, to his life of holiness that he wants us to call to, those things just start to fade, right? They're there. They're fighting, but as long as we're making a constant effort to read and to be filled and to, and to show grace and peace and mercy and gentleness and kindness and love, those other things just start to fade away. You know, one of the things, a few weeks ago um, at Life Group, I heard this story, uh, and, and I don't want to make any kind of pretension, right, that this is easy right? Hopefully you're getting the message that this is going to take some effort. This is going to take some hard work. It's going to make it, uh, take a decision uh, on our part to, to continue this. You know, a few weeks ago at Life Group, I was talking with um, a couple that are dating, and I was just really encouraged um, by what I heard. They said, um, they were telling a story. I was asking where they, where they, where they lived individually, and the, the guy said, I live in Manchester, I knew that the girl in this relationship uh, lived in another town. And uh, I said, oh, do you, you know, he was telling me a little bit about where in Manchester he lived. And, and, she, and she said, yeah, it's kind of a sketchy place. And I'm really kind of nervous when we go there because I don't go in. If we go to, the, to his apartment, I don't go in. I sit in the car. And it's kind of this nerve-wracking because it's, again, not such a great place. And I thought, how awesome is that? 
How awesome is that, that they're making a stand? They're, they're not doing the easy thing, right? They're not just falling into the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world would say, go in. Go into the apartment. It's no big deal. And then they would be there together in this apartment, right? And things can happen. The defense, right, starts to come alive potentially. But no, she said, I sit in the car and I wait for him if he has to run in and grab something. And I thought, that's, that's it, isn't it? It's, that, it's not falling into the pattern. It's making the tough call. Um, thanks, Dennis. Uh, it's making the tough call, making the right choice, uh, and focusing on things that God would have us focus on. All right, so what's the game plan? How do we do this, right? Um, number one, take a knee. Mark said this earlier, didn't he? As a game plan, as a coach, one of the things you do is team gather around uh, as a football coach. And the next words are take a knee. Well, that applies directly to our lives as Christians, doesn't it? Take a knee. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So take a knee. As we start 2018, to me, this means just a new posture. Right? Maybe the posture is taking a knee. Maybe the posture is, is going to a special chair right? and just spending time praying and talking, talking to our Lord who loves us so much and is, you know, is just desperate to hear from us, desperate to spend time with us. Um, he's waiting. He's waiting there. It's up for us. It's up to us to make that decision to go meet him. Number two, read the playbook. So as a coach, you've got, to get, you've got to know the playbook, right? The playbook in this case is probably somewhat obvious. It's the Word of God. Get into the Word of God. It's so clear. It's so crystal clear. Start with a short book, right? Start with a book, um, you know, one of these letters to the, to the early church. The book of Timothy is a great place to start. They're short. You can say, okay, I get it because it's clear. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. Let me read that again. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is full of living power. It's sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It's a tool. The playbook is a tool. Uh, and again, we're talking about the mind, and, and uh, it can just go in and carve, right? Carve out those, those things, that the, those lies that the enemy would have us believe. Third, watch the film. Watch the film. You just, you know, to me, this comes in the form of, listen, what, what do we feed our minds with, right? What are we watching? What are we listening to? Um, what are we reading? Watching the film. Just be deliberate, about the time in the car, maybe find a, a good podcast, uh, listening to, to maybe re-listening to Mark's message on Sunday morning. Uh, tune into, uh, you know, you want a laundry list of podcasts and things that might be helpful to you in your Christian walk? Let me know. Be happy to share with you the things that I find interesting uh, and useful. But watch the film. These first three, those are all personal, right? This is the, this is the part of our Christian walk that we do individually. The next one, fourth, Huddle up. 
team, get in a huddle. We're the team, right? Huddle up in this case means get involved in a, in a life group. This is the thing, these are the things we do collectively. Get involved in a life group. Find a journaling group, um, a Bible study. I know Dennis, I'm going to take a, thanks for the water. Dennis, Dennis has found a Bible study at another church that he goes to. That's awesome. It doesn't have to be something here in this church body. But find something, find a group uh, that you can connect with um, and huddle up with. Because that doing this collectively is important. Number five, know your position. When you're on a team, it's not just a free-for-all, right? You need to know your position. We heard uh, from Sandy and Josh. I love that, the volunteers of the month. They found a position, right? Josh, thank you for what you do. They didn't sit passively by. They, they jumped in. They know their position on the team. There are all sorts of ways you can volunteer and step up to the plate this, this year. Maybe you didn't in 2017 or any time prior in your life, but 2018 is a great starting point, great time to do that. So know your position and do your job. There's only one person on the team. When we're talking about football, there's only one, one person of the 11 players that are on that team that are on the field. They have a responsibility. If they don't do their job, they've let the other 10 down. Right? So know your position and do your job. Number six, and finally, make an effort. Make an effort. Uh, and again, this is just as much for me. What effort will I give this year, 2018? What effort will I give? Will it be 100%? Will it be 80%? Will it be more than I gave in 2017? That's what this is about, making an effort. Philippians 2, 12, and, 12 through 13, 12 and 13 says this. Work hard to show the result of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working to, in you to give you the desire and power to do what pleases him. That's so key. We don't do this on our own. We don't do this on our own um, on our own effort. We need to make an effort, but God's going to give you a desire and the power to do what pleases him. So, as we come to a close here, um, there's a story, one of the greatest coaches of all time uh, is a a, uh, man named John Wooden. John Wooden coached UCLA basketball. He's one of the best coaches ever. Won 10 championships out of 11 years or something like that. Um, And um, what I love about the story of John Wooden is every year he would um, he would use he would have his his players come back to to the um, report to practice, and the first thing he would do is he would show them how to put on their socks and shoes. Imagine this like this is the you know predominant the preeminent college basketball team at the time, and he was sitting there. He's like, okay, guys. Here's what we're going to do first. I'm going to teach you how to put on your socks and shoes. And you think, wait a second. These, guys, these, these are the deep players, right? They're going to the NBA next level. Um, they've been playing basketball for years and years. They, they've done this before. Well, what I love about this is he said, we're going to start with the basics. If we don't get this right, the rest doesn't matter. In other words, if we don't put our socks on right, we're going to get blisters, right? So we'd show them how to do that. He would show them, show them how to tie their shoes from the bottom to the top. 
And I thought, how, how, um, how, what a perfect image that is for us as we start 2018. Let's, start, let's get back to the basics. Take a knee. Get in his word. Huddle up. Make an effort. Right? So... Uh, as a, a little, I mean, the baskets can, are going to be passed around. And I would just ask you to take a shoelace uh, as a reminder of this little illustration, right? Take a knee. Put it, put it in your Bible. Put it on your desk. Put it on your dresser. Put it somewhere where you see it. as just a simple reminder that, you know what? I've got to start my day with prayer. I've got to start my day in, the, in God's Word. This is a re, just a simple reminder for you. So take a shoelace. Um, look it up. It's a great story. Uh, especially hearing John wouldn't talk about it. Um, but I think um, hopefully that, that will help. This small little thing will help. As we close uh, this morning, thank you for, um, for tuning in. Um, as we close, as we exit 2017, it's healthy to ask, what percentage did you give? But more importantly, as we enter 2018, what percentage will you give? Will you work hard, harder than we did last year? Why? Because this matters. It matters more than any team that you might make or any band that you might make if you play an instrument. It matters more than what you do for work. This matters. Our lives can look different than they do today. Our families, how we raise our kids, what we do at work. If we fill our minds with things of God, our relationships will be better. We'll have that peace that we heard about this morning during worship. That will just be part of who we are. It's part of our nature. Imagine with me for a minute. Close your eyes if you have to. Imagine with me. What that day will look like when we meet our Savior. Are we going to have our heads down? ashamed of what we've done, ashamed of the little effort that we've given? Or will it be the words that we also want to hear, well done? That day is coming. That day is coming. We will meet our maker who loves us so dearly and wants just the best for us. So, for those of you that are Christians, Jesus followers, you have a decision to make, right? How much effort are you going to give? For those that aren't Christians, that haven't said, you know, I'm going to follow you, I want to know more about you, I'll, I'll repent, um, you have an opportunity this morning to do that, to give your life to the Lord. So, that's it. Will you join me in 2018? Are you going to be with me? We're going to do this together. Okay. Imagine me standing on a, on a chair. And this is, this is uh, Colossians 3. This is read from the message. I love this version just because it's more coach-like than NIV or something else. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Jesus, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground. I inserted on your iPhone. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you or your selfie. 
Look up. Look up. Be alert as to what's going on around uh, uh, Christ. That's where the action is. That's where the action is. See and think about things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though it's invisible to spectators, is in Christ, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you. The glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity in Christ. And this means killing off everything connected with that way of death. The things we read about. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That life is shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all this stuff and not knowing any better. But now you know better. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes. You've stripped off and put, on, uh, put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom-made by the Creator with His label on it. And old fashions are now obsolete. Words like um, Jewish and non-Jewish, religious or irreligious, insider or outsider, uncivilized or unclosed, slave or free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included with Christ. So, cho- so chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe of God picked out for you. Put on that uniform, team. Put on this uniform. And fill your mind with compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place. Quick to forgive an, an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment or uniform. Never be without it. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 